0: Good morning. morning. Happy Sunday to you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we're so grateful to be in your presence. You are a good, good father. That's who you are. And we love you and we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your passion toward us. Thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to hear your word now. Would you speak to us by your spirit? for you have declared that it is not by might, that it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. You've also declared that your word shall not return to you void, that it shall and will accomplish what you've sent forth to do. So speak to us today. Speak to our hearts and allow us, God, to hear from you and then apply your word to our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name amen amen what what moves you to passion what moves you to passion would it be food yes. crab legs um what about your favorite person what about your favorite tv show we like andy Griffith a lot um what about sports You know what? And I'm not. I'm not saying anything about golf, but this is the first time I've watched more than 10 minutes of golf. Uh, I even recorded the Masters. Linda, Linda looked on on the little register. She said, "You recorded the Masters?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did. I did." And and I actually watched a few minutes of it. I really did. I really did. But but I, I, I really have a passion for sports. I used to be an athlete, and I always say this. I wish I still had my trophies and my ribbons and my gold medals that I could brag, but I have nothing. And my wife always tells me, I say, I was fast. She said, "Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I have nothing to show that I really was passionate about sports. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Passion causes us, and I just wanna share with you three things that passion does do for us. Passion causes you to act, or it causes you to action. Passion causes you to press toward a goal. A Couple of times you can see me reach over my neck to the goal line. Wish I had pictures, man. (laughs) Passion causes you, or drives your heart to victory. We are getting ready to prepare for vacation in about three to four weeks. And in my house, the 11th commandment is to clean up your house before you go on vacation. Is that Linda's? That's Linda's. That is not mine. I thank you for the clarification. That is not my 11th commandment, but it is Linda's that we are going to clean up the house before we go on vacation because she declares that when we get back on vacation, we won't have to clean. Makes sense. I wish I could tell you some of the issues that I have with that, but I cannot, you do not have time today. She told me to tell you that, uh, uh, and both of us uh, have passion for this, it's ice cream. Definitely have passion for ice cream. Dove ice cream specifically, thank you. Dove ice cream that comes in the little pints that they do not sell anymore. And we've been all over. When we go out of town, we go in convenience stores and we're looking to see if maybe they sell Dove ice cream here in, 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 in Hilton Head. Maybe they sell ice cream here right in Maryland. And everywhere we go, we're looking for Dove ice cream because we have a passion for it. But passion drives us to do some things we see that in the in the scriptures that were read to you earlier in chapter two of Philippians we see Jesus who was God who was with God that everything was made by him and for him he was driven to passion because of us his passion moved him to think about us first his passion moved him to take on flesh and blood because of us. God in a man suit just blows me away. God in a man suit. So point number one, I want you to consider. Passion moved Jesus to action. Passion drove Jesus to make a change in his life that he might make a change in my life. Passion drove Jesus to make a change in his life that he, might, Mike, he may batten, that I mean, that he might make a change in my life. Would you repeat after me? Passion drove Jesus to make a change in his life so that he might make a change Say it again, put it in your spirit. Passion drove Jesus to make a change in his life, that he might in my life. I hope you've got to change life because of Jesus. I certainly do. But that's what he did. Look at this verse seven in Philippians chapter two. It says this, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being in the likeness, being born in the likeness of men." Jesus emptied himself. It doesn't mean that he was less than God, but it does mean these two things, that he became obedient to do the father's will and he submitted to the Father. John chapter 6, verse number 38, it says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus' passion drove him to submission and obedience. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with obedience and submission? Not too good. (laughs) I, i don't get me wrong. I love the Lord. But sometimes he tells me to do some things that I question. Lord, is that you? And I don't do it when he says do it. Now, let me just tell you, just as simplest of the things. I ain't telling he says jump off of this and all of this stuff. But, but there's a time, I, one time, example, I was in Kroger's in the back waiting to pay for my stuff, minding my own business, and he says, ask them, do they know me? I'm like, Lord, really right now? I asked him, do they know me? And I waited and I waited and I missed it. Another time came, he told me to do something and I waited and I missed it. In the simplest of things, he asked us to be obedient. Now, there's some other times that I did pretty well. I love him and I want to do what he says, when he says, how he says, where he says do it. Let me give the definitions of obedience and submission. Obedience is following orders, commands, and instructions. Submission is yielding to power and authority. In submission, a person has love and respect for the one in authority, submission, submission, have love and respect for the one in authority. I struggle there. I hope you don't, but if you do, let that be your prayer, Lord. I want to obey you. I want to do what you say, and I want to submit to your will. We see the greatest example of submission when we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, And we see him already knowing what he's got to go through. We see him already knowing that he's got to take on spikes in his wrists and in his feet. He already knows that he's going to be separated from the Father. He already knows that he's got to take this bitter cup of sin for the whole world. He already knows. And he says with sweat of blood dropping from his forehead, Father, is there any way this cup can pass? Is there any way that I can save these people? And he says, and he knew there was no other way except for he'd drink the cup, except for he'd go through what he had to go through for us. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you have a Nevertheless? in your spirit. Is there a nevertheless, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Jesus was moved to action because of us, because of his passion for us. He made a change in his life so that he might what? Make a change in my life. Tweet that. Tweet that. Jesus made a change in my life. Text that. Email that. Jesus made a change in his life that he might make a change in my life. I don't know about you, but when he found me, he had some changing to do. Oh, my wife said a big amen for that. (laughs) Point number two, point number two. Jesus' passion for us was his goal. Jesus' passion for us was his goal. Jesus' passion for us was his goal. His goal was to restore the relationship that was broken and to restore us back to the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8 in the Message Bible, having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Jesus took off his glory that he might achieve his goal, and his goal was you. His primary goal was you. Jesus, you didn't get that. Jesus' primary goal was you. You didn't get that. Jesus' primary goal was you. Hallelujah, you're getting it. Jesus' primary goal was you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That deserves a hallelujah. If somebody, not somebody, God, if God would leave heaven, leave everything, take off his glory and make you his passion. Is that amazing or what? Does that deserve a thank you, Lord? Does that deserve a praise you, Lord? His passion, his goal is you. You're always on his mind. It would be something, it would be something. Can can I talk to y'all for a minute? It would be something if when we woke up in the mornings, we saw Jesus sitting in the chair by our bedside. Every morning, if we saw him sitting there, he says, I've been waiting on you. I've been watching over you. You're in good hands. Would that make you passionate for him? And then he said, you know what? Wherever you go today, I'm going to walk with you. Whatever storm you go through, I'm going to be there. Whatever trial you go through, I'm going to be there. When you go to the hospital, I'm going to be there. Would that make you passionate for him? Through your struggles, he says, I'm going to be there. He is. You are his primary goal. And he has passion for you that you might have a sweet relationship with him. When I came to Jesus, I was baptized at 11 years old, and I went to church whenever mama said we was going to church, because I did not have a say-so in the matter. And probably at age around 15 years old, when I started experimenting with drugs, I got big enough and bad enough to tell mama I wasn't going anymore, and I didn't. And I strayed and I lived a crazy life, smoked much weed, snorted a lot of cocaine, went to a lot of riotous things. But I knew about God. I was baptized at 11 years old. I was saved from what I thought was fire insurance because I didn't want to go to hell and burn. I was saved. He was my savior, but I did not want him to be my Lord. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. I didn't have a passion for him. Didn't have a passion for him. But when I began to read this word, I realized his word was reading me. This word reads us. Scripture says that this is a living word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts going in and going out all the way down to the bone and the marrow. And it will make a difference in your life if you will read it and let it speak to you. It began to speak to me and tell me things and, of who I was and who he is and how much he loved me. Let me tell you, I'm a work in process, in progress. I ain't got there yet. There was a time I was in the room. Linda was in one room. I was in the other room, and I was getting high. Y'all going to hear my high stories. It's about midday. See, see I could get high from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, professional at it professional with it. I, I would even go to work high. You'd never know it. Well, this was a weekend. I got up, got high. Midday, I thought, let me go out and get the mail. Went out to the mailbox to get the mail. There was a gentleman in our neighborhood. His name was George. And George was a holy man, faithful man, godly man in our neighborhood. And everybody needs one. We always spoke to George. We recognized him all the time, but really never had no big conversations with him. This day, I get the mail out the mailbox. I grab it. I'm walking back up this little incline. When I got to the top of the incline, I turned around, and George was standing right there. And George says, I see a cross behind you. George got my attention. Mind you, I'm high as a kite. He got my attention, he says, I see a cross behind you. He says, you're gonna preach. He scared me. I'd love to tell you that I went back in the house and I grabbed my Bible out and I started praying, but I got my bong out and I packed it with some more and I got the cocaine out and I, I didn't think about that anymore until sometime later I started going back to church and I started reading the word and it drove my heart to see the passion that Jesus had for me and the relationship that he wanted me to have with him listen to this, listen to what God tells us in the book of Deuteronomy because he desires and he deserves our love In the book of Deuteronomy, it's called the the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four through seven is what I wanna read with you and then a few verses after that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Did you hear the word that he says, I command you? Isn't it something that God has to command us to love him? But he tells us to teach these to your children, but then he says, love me with your whole heart, with with your mind, with your whole mind, with your spirit. Do you ever think about him? Is he on your mind like a lot? I hope he is. But if he's not, make that your prayer. Lord, I want to think about you so I won't do some stupid stuff. Lord, I want to think about you. I want you to be on my mind and my heart so I'll follow your will when you speak to me. He's blessed us so tremendously. Listen to what he has to tell his people and he's still talking to us today. Listen to the Lord in verse 10 of chapter 6 in Deuteronomy 10 through 15. And when the Lord your God brings you into a land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat, and a fool, then take care lest you forget the Lord. Listen to God saying, I've blessed you with all of these treasures, home, cars, land, strength to get them. Because sometimes we've done it on our own. You know the old saying, you pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. You did not because you don't have strength on your own. I heard a preacher say that that a scientist came to him and said that he could make man. And and he had this conversation with God, and him and God were going to make man. And and the scientist reached down to to the dirt to make man. God said, "Nope, get your own dirt. (laughs) Listen, listen, God's heart says, I've given you everything. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. He says, in in the latter part of this verse, he says, because I'm a jealous God. God is jealous over you. That's his passion for you, and he loves you so much. And then in the New Testament, that scripture is repeated again in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 39. And one of them, a lawyer asked him, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And in verse 38, he says, this is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This Pharisee, this this lawyer came to test Jesus to see if he still held true to the beliefs of the greatest commandment. And Jesus' answer was, it hasn't changed. My answer to you today is it hasn't changed. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your emotions. Y'all know I'm not scared to shout, right? Let me give you some freedom. You can shout because he loves you so much. You can be emotional for him because he loves you so much. He loves you with your whole mind love him. Because he loves you so much. My third point, and I've only got 19. <laughs> My third point today Jesus' passion for us set him up for victory over Satan. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. Set him up for victory over Satan in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 in the Amplified Version. For this reason, also because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, sovereign God to the glory of God the Father. We all remember Adam, and I always like to blame Eve for what she did in the garden, but it was Adam. It don't be yes in me, and Adam, <laughs> Adam lost everything for us when he sinned. And I tell you, men, if any of us were Adam in the garden, we probably would've blown it too. But Adam lost everything for us in the garden, and we needed a champion. Why? Because we lost our eternal life. Why? Because we lost our relationship with God. Why? Because we lost our righteousness. The Bible calls Jesus the last Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 through 47. You know why? Because our champion got back our eternal life. He gained it back. We we know the familiar scripture that says in in, um, the book of John, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe that today? Do you know about him? Or do you know him? I pray you know him. He gained our eternal life back. Not only did he gain our, our champion, did he only gain our eternal life, but our champion, Jesus, gained our relationship with Jesus back. His passion drove him to victory. He didn't give up. He wasn't distracted. He stayed on point through it all. And this, our relationship was gained back in Romans chapter five, verse 10 and 11 in the Living Bible. And since when we were enemies, we were brought back to God by the death of his son. What blessings he must have for us now that we are his friends and that he is living within us. Verse 11 says this, now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins and making us friends with God. I am a friend of God. Isn't it good to know that we are friends with God and he's friends with us, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done, because his passion, drove him to victory because of us our champion our champion gained back our righteousness second corinthians 5 and 21 it says for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god jeremiah calls him jehovah's sick canoe he is the lord our righteousness Anytime Satan comes at you and says you are not enough, remind him that Jesus is your Jehovah's sick canoe. He is your righteousness and you can stand holy before a holy God. So I ask you these three questions. Does your passion for Jesus drive you to action? Does it drive you to the point that you say, I wanna obey you, Lord, when you speak to me? Let me let you know that he is still speaking. We want to train our spirit, our ear, to hear him. If you haven't heard his voice, not audibly, but if you haven't heard him speaking to your spirit, ask him to. Ask him to. He loves you just that much. Say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me what you want me to do. Does passion, your passion for Jesus, drive you to action, to obey him and to submit to his will? Does your passion cause you to? to love him with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your whole soul? Does your passion for Jesus drive you to live a victorious life? Would you pray with me? Father, I give you thanks. I thank you that you love us. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live in us. We love you and we honor you. God, would you bless my brothers and sisters now? Bless them with a passion for you, God. Bless them to hear your voice when you speak to them. And bless them to submit to your will and to live for you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have the rails up front, and we'd love for you to come and pray. The circle of rails are for you and your own time with speaking to the Lord. And the outer side of the rail, the straight rails, someone will come down and be glad to pray with you and for you. Won't you come? God bless you. God loves you.